and 8, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Verse 31, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Psalm 118 and verse 6 answers part of that text. If God be for us, well, Psalm 118 and verse 6 says, The Lord is on my side. So I guess God is for us. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do to me. God bless you this morning. You can be seated. We're continuing our lesson from last Sunday. God is on our side. We spoke last Sunday about Romans chapter 7 and about the struggle we have as we strive to live for God. And if you've lived for God for any length of time today, you do understand it's a struggle. It's not something that comes easy. It's not just you wake up one day and say, well, I'm going to live for God. And then uh, the old song used to say, I beg your pardon. He never promised us a rose garden. Along with the sunshine, there's got to be a little rain sometime. And though I have him in me and though he walks with me and he talks with me, this old flesh still tries to rise up and I have a battle going on on the inside of me. I have a battle that goes on every day. I wake up with it. You do too. Every day we wake up with that battle, with that, that thought in our mind. And thank God the Word tells us that His mercies are new every morning. And that every morning we can wake up and get a new freedom. Why do we call this new freedom? Because every day He gives me new freedom to live for Him. He gives me the ability to lay down my fleshly side and take on His righteousness and walk and be victorious. But it is a struggle. And even Paul said in verse 24 of chapter 7 of the book of Romans, speaking of this struggle, the Apostle Paul who wrote, the majority of our New Testament Bible. Even he came to the place where in the struggle he would say, O wretched man that I am. It's a battle. It's a struggle. And sometimes we get frustrated with ourselves. Sometimes we, we get aggravated with ourselves. Sometimes we look ourselves in the mirror and ask ourselves, at least I do, maybe it's just me, maybe I'm weird. But every now and then I have to look myself in the face and say, what's wrong with you? What's going on up in that head of yours? You know God's been good to you. You know God has you in His hand. You know and what am I doing? I'm bringing my flesh back into submission to the will of God. It's a struggle, and sometimes it can get the best of us. There's a battle going on on the inside of each of us. It happens to all humans. It's not just those of us who are trying to live for God. I can remember when I was in the Navy doing things that were ungodly I didn't know they were ungodly at the time I just knew when I got done doing them I didn't feel real good I felt like there's got to be more there's got to be something more than what I'm partaking of and there is there's a battle that goes on in between 
each and every one of us. I'm sure you've heard the story. There's two dogs inside of each of us. There's a good dog and a bad dog. We get to control which one wins. They're fighting on the inside of us. The bad dog's trying to get us to do bad things. The good dog's trying to get us to do good things. Which one's going to win? It's the one you feed. You feed that bad dog and you're going to get bad actions. But if you'll feed the good dog, he'll put that bad dog down and you'll be able to walk in victory. But even living for God and even having been blessed to have been taught how to live for God, sometimes I do things I don't want to do. And I don't do things that I do want to do. We're talking about a battle that goes on the inside of us. Thankfully, there is an answer. O wretched man that I am, Paul asked, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? There is an answer, verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, Paul said, with the mind I myself serve the law of God but with the flesh, the law of sin. Was Paul saying, well, as long as I just think about God, I'm living for God, and I can let my flesh do what it wants to do. That's not what he was saying. That's not what he was trying to explain. He said, with my mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. What was he saying? If I allow my flesh to rule me, I'll live in sin. But if I'll allow the mind of Christ to be in me and let that mind of Christ control me, I can overcome this flesh and I can overcome the obstacles of the world. That's what Paul was saying. In this constant struggle to live for God, the struggle to do right and to walk away from what is not right, it's important that we remember Jesus is on our side. God is on our side today. He's not there with a hammer trying to rebuke us when we do wrong. He's there with open arms saying, Come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The heaviness comes from sin. The heaviness comes from the world. But freedom and, and liberty comes from God and I'm glad I know that today the enemy doesn't want us to know that the enemy doesn't want us to realize we don't have to be bound by this carnal nature we can live above sin we can live above the lies of the enemy you do remember he's a liar right you remember that the devil's a liar so if we could ever learn if it's the devil telling me it it's the opposite of what he's telling me that cancer is going to kill you. Thank you, devil. I'm going to live. Right? The, this, this, uh, this condition in my family is going to destroy my marriage. Thank you, devil. Everything's going to be all right. That's why we read the text, all things work together for good. The enemy wants us to, to take things in separate bites. Well, I lost my job today. That's bad, man. You might as well give up. No, hang on. God's going to give me a better job. You just let time take its course. I got sickness in my body. I might as well just give up. No, hold on. God's going to use that somehow. I don't know how. I don't know how he does it. I, I don't know why he does it that way. I just know all things work together for good. I got to hurry up. I told you I was going to try to get done today. <laughs> Uh, Isaiah chapter 41, verses 10 through 13. Fear thou not, 
God said, For I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. And they shall be as nothing, and they that strive with thee shall perish. Thou shalt seek them. You ever thought you'd look for your enemies? <clears throat> I don't do it. <laughs> if you do it, there's something wrong. Let me go see if I can find that guy beat me up yesterday. Uh, no, turn that off. Go get in the corner somewhere and pray. Thank you, Jesus. They shall be as nothing, and they that strive with me shall perish. They shall, thou shalt seek them, and shalt not find them, even them that contended with thee. They that war against thee shall be as nothing, and as a thing of naught. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. God is on our side. He's pulling for us. He's striving to help us in every way that we can. When we're struggling, we do want to do right, but the flesh doesn't want to do right. We need to understand that. Verse 18 of Romans chapter 7, we do good to remember it. What does it say? For I know that in me, this is the Apostle Paul writing, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Oh, they got a good heart. No, they don't. They're human. Well, our, our propensity is always to sin. That's why I got to have a new heart. That's why I got to have a new spirit. That's why I got to have a new life. I got to be born again. Why? So now I have the spirit of Christ and I can do good. And we said last Sunday, we can't live for him without living with him. Too many people want to live for God, they don't want to live with God. Oh, I want to live for God because I know the blessings of God. I, I want to live for God. I want to have a fish on my bumper so everybody knows I'm a Christian, but I don't want God hanging around because then I can't do what I want to do. God is for us. He's for us. He, he understands we'll never be able to live for Him unless we're willing to live with him well how do we do that how do we in this fallen state how do we do that how do we have the ability to live above sin keep reading after romans 7 comes romans 8 and it says this there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in christ jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit Aren't you glad today, as long as you're in the trenches, as long as you've submitted to God, as long as you're doing your best and you're, you're applying the principles of the Word of God, you might fall, you might make a mistake, but God doesn't just kick you out then. He's there the next morning saying, if you'll go to an altar and repent, I'll cover it. And we'll just keep on shagging. There's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. How do I do that? Keep reading. Isn't that neat about the Bible if you just keep reading? The Bible will interpret the Bible. Verse 3, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. 
that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. The law was not bad. The law was good. Man just couldn't keep the law. Man didn't have the ability. That's why they kept failing and they kept falling. They didn't have the ability in their flesh because, remember, there's nothing good in the flesh. you got to get in the Spirit. Verse 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because, verse 7, the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot. Everybody say cannot. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. You can try to live for God all you want with your flesh. You can try to make your flesh live for God. And the Bible says you can't do it. Without the Spirit of Christ, you cannot, you will not be successful living for God. But, keep reading, verse 9, Ye are not in the flesh, but the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. I don't have time to chase that squirrel today, but uh, Paul said, if so be the Spirit of God dwell in you, you can walk in the Spirit, but if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you don't belong to Him. That's a good study for somebody to do right there. The Spirit of God. And if Christ be in you, verse 10, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Our, our flesh, our body, it will always want to sin. But we have received the Spirit of Christ that gives us the ability to crucify the flesh, to mortify the deeds of the body, and to live for God. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse 11, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Verse 9 said, Ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if the Spirit of God dwell in you. And this is where we ended our lesson last Sunday. This is why it is so important that we remain full of the Holy Ghost. you got to have the Holy Ghost to be successful living for God. You cannot live for God without the Spirit of God in you. But it makes sense, doesn't it? The Spirit of God. What did Jesus say? Ye shall receive power. After what? That the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses, right? You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I have a, a truck, a Ford truck. If you don't like Fords, I'll pray for you. <laughs> I'm teasing it, don't matter what kind of truck you drive. But it does matter that you put gas in your vehicle, doesn't it? If we don't put gas in those vehicles we're driving, they have no power to go. They don't have the ability to do what they were made to do if we don't put fuel in them. Unfortunately, the price of fuel has more than doubled in the last few months. How many of you quit driving your car because of the price of gas? I don't see any hands being raised. 
You might not drive as far, you might not drive as much, but if you're going to drive that car, if you're going to drive that truck, if you're going to get on that motorcycle, you're going to have to put gas in it, no matter whether it costs more or not. And if we're going to live for God, we're going to have to put gas in our body, the power for our body, and that power is the Spirit of God. If we're going to be successful living for God, we have to pay the price. You say, well, it... It's harder to pray now, and it is. I'll tell you it is, because we're getting closer to the end. But if you're willing to pay the price, you can have the power to go. If you decide it's too big a price to pay, you have the freedom and the liberty to walk away from God, God forbid. Because you're not going to live for Him without the Holy Ghost. You're not going to live for Him without living with Him. So let's continue today. Romans chapter 8 and verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. We don't owe our flesh anything. We don't owe our carnal nature anything. Well, I just got to let my flesh sin a little bit. That is a damnable doctrine from hell that you have to sin a little bit every day. You don't. We can, we must live above sin. Does that mean we're sinless? No. Everybody sins. If any man says he he has no sin, he's a liar, and the truth is not in him. But that doesn't mean we embrace sin every day. Oh, let me go. What do I want to sin today? i got to have a little bit of sin in my life. No. (laughs) The Holy Ghost gives us the power to live above sin. What happens is we lay the Holy Ghost down, and we don't have that ability, and we make excuses because we begin to sin again. We're going we're gonna to be in this flesh, okay, until Jesus comes. Or we die, one or the other, right? They lay us down in that old long home. But we don't owe our flesh anything. Too many people want to pet their flesh. They want to point a finger at everybody else's flesh, but they pet their own. We don't owe our flesh anything. You're not debtors to the flesh to live after the flesh. Verse 13, for if ye live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. How do I know if I'm a child of God? It's real easy. Do you allow God to lead you? I mean, that's simple, right? Thank you, Jesus. For ye have not, verse 15, received the spirit of bondage again to fear, But you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Here's a perfect example in the house today. Perfect example. My mother-in-law gave up my bride for adoption. And because she was willing to do that, God gave her back. And he didn't just give her back, he gave her back better. He gave her back with the ability to give my mother-in-law something she didn't have before. What a blessing. And we have the ability, if we're willing to give up our rights to our flesh, we have the ability to be given it back by God with an ability we didn't have before. And we'll say, you are Our Father, you are a good Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. It's the Spirit of God in us that lets us and others know whether or not we're children of God.
Verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon, I guess Paul was a southerner too. (laughs) He said, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. You want to live for God. You want to do right. And you are expecting to become a child of God. But the only way to get there is to allow the Spirit to have reign and to crucify the flesh. For the creature was made subject, verse 20, to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. People look at us and they look at our holy lifestyle and they look at our separation from the world and they look at the things we don't do and they say, you're in bondage. No, my friend, I was in bondage when I smoked a pack a day and I dipped a roll of Copenhagen a week and I drank Jim Bean like water and I I used to run around in the bars. I was in bondage then. You know why? Because everything the enemy has has a hook in it. You ever thought about that? Everything that he has is addictive. I stood right here yesterday and I listened to a testimony of a man. I asked him to come. I want him to give our church his testimony. Here's his testimony. For years he was addicted to meth. And he's been clean now 11 months. Right at a year the man's been delivered from meth. He knows what it's like to have somebody draw the hooks of the enemy out of you and give you liberty to not be bound by the chains of the enemy anymore. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for it? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience, everybody say patience, That's not a dirty word. (laughs) Then do we with patience wait for it. Everybody say wait for it. We used to sing it. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strengths. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, to wait. Likewise, verse 26 The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. This is why it's so important that we pray in the Holy Ghost. This is why it's so important that we allow the Holy Ghost to pray through us. Why? Because there's things at the start of a day that I don't know I'm going to face that day. There are situations that are going to come to me that day that I'm unaware of at the moment. But if I, that morning, begin my day in earnest, praying in the Holy Ghost and giving my day to God and trusting Him that all things work together for good. Remember, we're talking about God is on our side. You want the ability to get through a bad day? Go ahead and give it to God before it ever starts. And then whatever happens, you trust that He's in control of it. And somehow... It will all work together for good. Verse 27 of Romans chapter 8, And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, 
because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I don't know about you, but if anybody's praying for me, I want them to be praying for me in the will of God. I don't want them to be praying for me something against the will of God. I want them to be praying for me in the will of God. Well, who else can pray for me in the will of God better than God? <laughs> who else can pray and intercede for me and, and ask that things happen for me better than the Spirit praying through me? And I don't even know what he's saying. I don't even know what he's talking about. It's groanings that cannot be uttered, but I get to a place where I allow the Spirit to control me. And then I'm able to crucify the flesh. Verse 28, and we know, this is where we get it, and we know that all things work together for good. How do we know? Because we gave them all to him. Because we trust him in everything. Because we don't just live for him, we live with him. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to His purpose. And the reason we know this is because we are His children. We know He is in control. We're not walking in our own ability. I walked in my ability for quite some time, and I'm just telling you, I made a big old mess. And God saw fit to draw me out of that. Verse 29, For whom He did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now this predestination of God is not individual predestination because if it was, I could just live any way I wanted to because at the beginning God decided whether I was going to go to heaven or not. That's not very encouraging, is it? That's kind of like a craps game. I don't know if I'm going to win or not. I'm going to live this way all my life, and then when I die, I get to find out whether God's going to let me in or not? No, this predestination is the body. This predestination is the body of believers, the people in the church. If you can get in this body before he comes back, you're predestinated to be a child of God. That's why the end of the verse says this, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them, everybody say them, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. It's everybody. Everybody, this, this message, this gospel is available to everybody. And if you will respond in faith and get in this body, you're predestinated no matter the trouble that comes your way. He's given you the ability to make it all the way. Why? Because he's on our side. Jesus is on our side. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called and whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. You reckon God knows what he's doing? You think he might have this thing figured out? It would do us good to remember that when it looks like everything's falling apart. It would do us good to remember that no matter what comes our way, he's on my side. Even when it doesn't make sense. Even when I can't figure it out. Even when I, in my flesh, say, man, I wish he'd have done it this way. You ever thought you could have figured out a better way to get it done than him? 
Am I the only one? I know. <laughs> I know I think it's better this way. God, why couldn't you have done it this way? It would have been a whole lot less trouble. And he's up there going, I'm God. <laughs> and I knew if you didn't go through this trouble, you wouldn't be ready for that trouble. This trouble was to get you ready for that trouble. And I guess you don't want me to then to tell you that that trouble and this trouble was to get you ready for that trouble. <laughs> It's an up and down. It's an up and down. It's an up and down. But he's on our side. Whether we're on the mountaintop or whether we're in the valley or whether we're on a plane. He's on our side. If we could just remember that. If we could just remember that. He knows what he's doing. And the world is trying to form us into their image. The world is trying to squeeze us into their box. The world is trying to make us conform to them. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. By giving him your mind. He's trying to conform us into his image, which brings us to verse 31 of Romans chapter 8. What shall we say then to these things if God be for us? Who can be against us? Who is it that we give the liberty to be greater than our God? That's what happens when we think somebody is against us. That's what happens when we think a situation is against us. That's what happens when we think we don't have control. I got a newsflash today. We don't have control. <laughs> God is in control. When we mess up is when we try to take control. What shall we say then to all these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? The enemy of our soul today wants to convince us that we can't live for God. We got too many problems. We got too many troubles. We got too many trials. Every time we try to live for God, we fall. Every time we try to live for God, we make a mistake. Every time we try to, to advance, what, what's that saying? One step forward and ten steps backwards? You ever feel that way living for God? Did you know that in them ten steps backwards, God's still on your side? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Proverbs 24 and 16. The Bible says this, For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. But the wicked shall fall into mischief. Well, I believe that. Pastor Wood, that's in the Bible. I believe it. You just don't understand. I'm on time number eight. He gave me seven times to fall, and I could get back up, but this is number eight, and I'm down for the count. That's not what that means. The number seven in the Word of God represents completeness. It represents everything. That means if you can get yourself back up, no matter how many times you fall, His mercy is right there. And you can rise up again. Psalm 118 and verse 6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? God is rooting for you. He's on your side. He wants you to make it. We struggle with faith. Mostly 
in relation to our walk with God. We can have faith to believe God would give us this beautiful place to have church. Y'all remember when we got this? We needed somewhere. We, we didn't have anywhere. Sister Wood and I came here two days after we found out we needed somewhere. And here we are. I got faith to believe that, don't you? I got faith to believe that God could have the lady that owns this building. It's not a real estate company. He gave us a landlord that's not a real estate company. I ain't got nothing against real estate companies. I bought a house from one. You know what I'm saying. She put new carpet in here. That was God. He's on our side. We have faith to believe that. We have faith to believe that God's going to fill this one. Then he's going to fill that one like he did in our fellowship meeting. And then we're going to go on to greater things. We got faith for that, right? Anybody got faith that this is just the beginning? Anybody got faith that God has greater things in store for new freedom? We have faith for great things. We pray in faith for the sick. I have a walking cane in my office from Brother Conway. Prayed him out of a wheelchair at camp. Y'all remember that? We're going to camp next week. I want to see some more of that. I got faith to believe it. I got faith to believe that God is more than able. And then I have to have faith to believe that in my inadequacy, He can still save me. The struggle is to keep myself believing because I know me better than anybody else. You know you better than anybody else. And the struggle comes when we try to put our flesh under subjection to the Spirit that says, I'm on your side. Because the enemy's standing there going, well, you messed up this time. You might as well just quit. Well, you've gone too far now. And the whole time, the father is on the front porch with his arms stretched out, looking down the driveway saying, I wish my son would come home. I wish my daughter would come home. He doesn't go out there with us and get in the pig pen with us. He's there. He's on our side praying and interceding that we will come to ourselves. Isn't that what the prodigal did? Isn't that what the Bible says? And he came to himself and realized, don't my servants in my father's house eat better than what am I doing? And he came to himself and went back home. And he didn't find a rebuke. He didn't find, well, I guess he did. His rebuke was from his brother. Too many times we're doing our best to get back where we belong. We've made a mess. We know we made a mess. We still got slop on our jeans and pig and corn husks where the pigs didn't eat one hanging from our ear. We know we messed up. And we don't need to come to the house of God and find a brother with condemnation. I don't want people condemning me when I mess up. So therefore, I won't condemn others when they mess up. I need to be just like the Father. Come on home. Come on home. This is where you have your, your rest. This is where you get your help. And all the while, the enemy's saying, they don't love you down there. They don't want you to come back down there. God could never love you again. It's not, it's not whether God can love you again or not. He never quit loving us. He never stopped loving us. But this is the struggle, isn't it? I can have great faith for others. I can have great faith for great things. The struggle comes when I have to have faith knowing myself who I am, what I did, where I've been, that I can come to an altar and believe God will forgive me one more time. 
And I'm here to tell somebody, God is on our side. He's already here pulling for us. He never stopped pulling for us. He never stopped drawing us. He never stopped praying for us. He never stopped interceding for us. God is on our side. That should give somebody a, a new urge to live for God today. That should give somebody a new desire to come to an altar today maybe and say, God, I'm sorry but I'm thankful you're on my side. I'm thankful that no matter how bad I mess up, I can come. And every morning your mercies are new and your grace is right there. I don't deserve it. I shouldn't be here. But I'm so glad you allow me to be. God is on our side. He's rooting for you. He's pulling for you. He's desiring things for you. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, Colossians chapter 3 tells us. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. God is on our side. He wants us to make it. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Verse 5, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, the things that your body does. You have to crucify your flesh. And you can do it. Oh, I can't. I've tried. Try again. No, I can't. I failed. Get up and fail again. The only time it's too late is when we don't get back up. The only time that it's over is when we say, well, I tried that living for God thing, you know, and I, I was happier before I met all them church folks down there. Never let that be said about new freedom. Let them find love. Let them find acceptance. Let them find liberty. And I'm not talking necessarily about sinners today. I'm talking about those of us who mess up. I'm talking about those of us who are in the body and make mistakes. God's on their side too. I know I needed Him on my side when I messed up. And I'm glad He's on our side today. Put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, Humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Don't carry a grudge. Don't let your spirit get contaminated with bitterness. Don't let your ability to have liberty in the house of God be tainted by your inability to come to an altar. This is our friend. This is where we have refuge at an altar. 
It seems like such a silly thing to come to a building and sit around with other people that are trying to make it to heaven and hear some guy that can't sometimes even spell his name stand up here and try his best to deliver a message from God. You know what? The Bible says God chose by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. There's power in being in a congregation and hearing the Word of God proclaimed. There's power in bringing yourself. To some of us, it's, it's, a, very, it's, a, it's a sacrifice and it's a, it's a chore to make ourselves want to come to church. Why? Why does it get that way? Because we have allowed ourselves to lose faith in His ability to forgive us. And I came to tell you, God is on our side. These altars are our friends. These altars are places where we can lay down the heavy burdens and we can take up our cross one more time and follow Him. Above all these things, put on charity. That's love, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. You know, there are people in this world, all they want is a little peace. All they want is a little, uh, a little time away from the troubles of the world, and that's why they shoot up, that's why they roll up, that's why they open up the things that they do, because they're just looking for a little peace. Why? Why do they not run to an altar? Because they've lost faith in their ability to be forgiven. They's lost faith in their ability to receive the mercy of God. And I'm, I'm going to beat it like a dead horse until Jesus comes. God is on our side. His blood still flows today. His mercy was new again this morning. It'll be new again tomorrow morning. God is on our side. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. When you get in this body, you were called to this body. The Bible says no man can come to God except the Spirit draw him. He called us here, and we made it into the body, the body that was predestined to make it. This is your safe place. This is how, that's why the Bible says, neglect not the gathering of yourselves together, especially as you see that day approaching. What day? We're living in that day. Gog and Magog are lining up. I'm telling you, I heard a man testify the other day that Israel's talking about building the new temple. Friend, the Bible is real. The Bible is true. It's coming to pass. And no man can stop it. All we can do is choose to get in that predestined body. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Everybody say, I'm thankful. I'm grateful today. I have no complaints today, God. I've been through some bad times. I've been through some tough situations. I've been through some, some been done wrong times. I've been through some I done everybody else wrong times. I've been through some messes. And I have no complaints today. Because I'm standing in the house of God. He saw, he saw fit one more time for me to make it to that body that is predestined. He gave me mercy again this morning. He gave me grace again this morning. I'm thankful today. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. 
teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all. Everybody say do all. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God and the Father by Him. God's on our side. Yesterday, what a powerful move of God. Even if not one person had shown up, God was moving. Even if not one visitor came, and they did, God was moving. Why? Because we have the habit of seeing the kingdom by what we see with our eyes. And it's not a natural kingdom. The disciples came to Jesus and said, Hey, you're fixing to restore the kingdom. I, I want to be a general. I want to be a, a sergeant. I want to be in charge of this worldly. No, 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 no. It's not of this world. It's a spiritual kingdom. And for three hours yesterday, we bombarded hell with faith. For three hours yesterday, we let Lebanon know. New freedom's here. Oh, well, there wasn't no people there. Oh, but they were spirits. They was angels, good ones and bad ones, all around this place going, these guys, these ladies, they're serious about this. They have found unity. Everybody say unity. The enemy don't want unity. That's why he tries to sow discord. We found it. I said we found it. We found a body that's unified with one mind, with one accord, with one vision. And there ain't a devil in hell that can stop us. You know why? Because God is on our side. I said God is on our side. Let's stand today. I got through with one. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Somebody, whether it's listening to the recording or maybe it's in the building today. Somebody needs to remember God is on our side. I don't care where you're at. I don't care our situation. I don't care the circumstances. It doesn't matter. I don't want to hear all that. Because when we talk about the bad things, when we talk about the circumstances, when we talk about... Why it won't work. We're feeding that bad dog. And we need to take his plate and give it to the good dog. And say God's on our side. All things work together for good. To them who love the Lord. To those who are the called. According to his purpose. God we thank you so much today that you're on our side. Thank you for your word Lord that you didn't just leave us to live for you. Without direction without instruction. But you left us your word. Thank you so much, God, for allowing us to be here today. We pray, Lord, that you.